episode 156, uh, Craigless for a second episode running. Uh, I think this will be the last Craigless episode, though. I think he's back Look, in a day or two. All I'm saying is that since he's been gone, we've we've thrown out two of our finest performances this season. So, Craig, if you're listening, look, just we'll, we'll see about it. Yeah, yeah. To be continued, you may have to redo. <laughs> you may have to really redo that application because uh, this this really has been a heck of a couple of days. Um, well, I mean, where do we start? Uh, Chelsea never beaten them before. Um, never even scored at Stamford Bridge against Chelsea. I believe we have scored at Stamford Bridge once against someone else. Um, coming into today, we both had said. Um, you know, we've this one was going to be a very tough one. Chelsea play in a way that is always a struggle for us. Uh, we made three changes. Veltman was back. Uh, Bissouma, of course, was back as well. And Sonny March into the side as well. Uh, we took out uh, Mwepu. We took out uh, Webster. And we took out Trossard because of the hamstring injury. I'm trying to remember who that third one was. Yeah. Um, how were you feeling when you saw that lineup, uh, I was a little bit worried at the idea of Dan Byrne and Joel Veltman having to go up against Lukaku. Are you talking about man of the match, FIFA team of the week, Dan Byrne? Because, yes, I am. Uh, yeah. Why would you possibly be worried? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes, I, I was. I was mainly. I was more concerned about the the Trossard absence, uh, as we know, he's a very, very important player to us. Uh, I thought Webster was good. Uh, last last time out, so that was a bit of a shame. And we we took Mwepi was our player of the match last time out as well. So yes, but when you see Basuma coming back in, that sort of cures all ills in many ways. And um, we'll, we'll get on to players, but God, Basuma was outstanding today. Outstanding. Yes, yes he was. Um, yeah, the El Dude brothers in the chat. What a point. Um, the the assist from Mark to Danny was beautiful. Uh, yes, we we will definitely get onto that assist itself. Um, what and, about these ninetieth minute, ninety plus minute winners that we we is this a thing? Is this a, is this the thing we do? Well, we were we were the worst team last season for giving away winning positions, um, and this year we now have five goals scored to change a result, whether it's a draw or a win. Yeah. Uh, in added on time at the end of the game, and I, I, I have to think that we're probably the, the leaders in that. Five is a lot <laughs> in, eight, in eighteen them. games. We're almost a third of our games are being changed in injury time, which is horrible from a sort of cardiac perspective. Like for the heart, it's it's really horrible. And I keep waking my baby up whenever we score in the ninety plus minute or whatever. But um, I know we'll get onto the the, the main aspects of this, but. This was, and, and this has been said in the Enoch is back and talking about how we dominate in the second half. When, as, as soon as Chelsea scored, we were the better team for the entire of, entirety of that first half. If, if you said which one of these teams is the one that, you know, has won Champions Leagues, won Premier Leagues, has a hundred million pound player in the starting lineup, you don't get that right. Uh, we were incredible. And and there was obviously a period of time, 20 minutes in the second half, where they decided, you know what, maybe we should push forward a little bit because. We're we're not going to last. Um, I, I it, it was just you don't you don't typically get to go see those types of performances away at a place like Stamford Bridge against the top three side in in the league. It was impeccable. I I would go as far as to say that that is our best Premier League performance ever. Better than the the Liverpool one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. I think it was just unbelievable. Um, I, I will say one thing that was interesting because they uh, they pointed it out on the NBC broadcast, which is rare for them to show much tactical nows. But uh, we we did we did line up originally with a five two three, um, which is a real hark back to yesteryear. I haven't seen a five two three operated like that in a long time. I don't think it was still even legal. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the, the tactics were a little bit bizarre because we it, if, if if you. If you didn't look into it more deeply, it would immediately appear that we were playing four at the back, and then we'll know it was actually Cucurelli on the left side of a, a, a three centre back Perry. It was, and and then we were sort of Moda was pushed up a bit, and then he wasn't, and then Lalana was. It, it was again Potter, potable masterclass fluidity players playing in random positions and it working. 
Yeah, and it, it worked beautifully, didn't it? Um, Enoch on the door saying Basuma just put himself in the shop window uh, again. Yeah, I think the problem is, is Adam uh, spoke, you know, at length just a few days ago about the fact that we have seen life after Basuma and it's not too much of a worry. And he decided to shove that back down Adam's throat. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, now it, I'm worried again. Because <laughs> it really was uh, just an unbelievable performance from him. Um I thought the rest obviously did him a great deal of good. Uh, how? Because I've seen the commentators said it a couple of times, and I'm I'm not buying into it. Um, and you, I know, I think I already know your answer. I'm kind of feeding you this there. But how much do you think our performance turned good due to Reese James going off, or due to the goal going in? Because the commentators insinuated a few times that it was due to them sitting back on that lead. You you noted in the chat that you thought Reese James going off was a big change game changer for us. And I agree with you. They they look, they were playing Christian Pulisic at right wing back and Reese James out of position because they were so terrified of putting Marcus Alonso in the team. So when they were forced into doing that, and then when you add in the aspect of, of, of Christensen going off and then having to bring in Chalaber, they were down a number of different players. But you saw towards the end of the first half, Lamptey was, well, Lamptey skinned Reese James a couple of times before he went off. Like, he really did. And if, and if Lamptey had a left peg on him, <laughs> probably 2-0 up. Um, and then on the other side, March, I mean, Pulisic for everything is good and any of our American listeners, Pulisic is probably the best American player in a generation. He's not a he's not a wing back, is he? He doesn't have any defensive chops about him. When Solly March is absolutely spinning you for a loop, um, so yeah, that I, it changed it because that then meant they had to then cover a lot more deeper. The centre backs like Rudiger spent a lot more time pulling out to the left hand side of that grouping and covering on the wing because they were so terrified of Lamptey. And I think what you ended and yeah, that challenge you not mentioned that, that that should have been a red card. We'll get onto that. Um but then it when you saw in the latter part of the second half when Lamptey came off, which um, I can only assume he felt some tightness or something, he was tired or whatnot. Um and they brought Kante on. That's when the game changed. And I, to, I didn't say this, but I, I was like, I think, I think we now don't get anything from this game because Kante came on, solidified everything. Lamptey came off, so they they realised they didn't need to be scared anymore pushing up because Moda's not going to do the same job as Lamptey can on the right side. And we saw that twenty minutes they had a game. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, that that Kante substitution changed the game. At the same time as Lamptey. He's quite a good player, isn't he, Kante? Yeah, yeah he's all right. Um, <laughs> Can't shoot for shit, but yeah. <clears throat> let's talk about, let's try and go in some chronological order because I'm flying all over the place. Um, the goal itself, because the first 25 minutes was really a bit end-to-end, but Albion just about getting away with it by the skin of their teeth. Uh, we conceded a fair few shots. Uh, one of them come off the post. Um, we were, I mean, we were, we were, pretty reasonably dominated in that first 20, 25 yes. minutes. Um, we had our own little showings on that, on the break that we were going to cause problems today, especially with Lamptey. Um, but the goal comes uh, from a set piece. Uh, Neil Mope uh, was the man tasked with marking Romelu Lukaku. Uh, her foul aside, because I would like to hear your thoughts on that too. Um, We've mentioned this a few times, zonal marking in the zonal slash man marking that we seem to have, this mix. I hate it. Why have we got Neil Mope tracking back on Romelu Lukaku? I don't know. Um, but I also know that Chelsea are up there. They're a big team. Uh, and we, when we have all of these absences between you know, Veltman's not a tall guy. Uh, so you've got Webster out. We know we've got Dunk out. We're not playing Duffy. So obviously you've got the, the, the big man in Dan Byrne. But outside of that, your two other centre-backs are Mark Kukureya. So if you take off his hair, he's not really much taller than me, probably. Yeah. Uh, and, and Veltman. So you've got Mope, you've got Lamptey. You don't have a tall squad outside of throwing Moda in there. So, yes, when you do zonal, you're going to have mismatches. But when you have, if we'd done man marking there, we'd have had mismatches too. Because instead of saying this, we would have gone, well, why do we have Mope marking Antonio Rudia or something like that? You know, it, it, we just don't have the pieces there to do it. But it does happen fairly often. 
Was it a foul? Well, yes. <laughs> Lukaku smashed his right arm and then his left arm into Norm Mopé's face. He had a, a cut on his nose. What else do you want? Um, but Mike Dean is uh, the standard of refereeing in this country is 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 horrific. Yes, it's 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 not great, is it? Um, there, as a couple of comments in the chat, um, we we thoroughly rattled Mason Mount. Yes, we did. Basuma had him on toast for a lot of the game uh, to the point that he was like giving him this weird like hug pull shirt thing that was going on towards the end that got them both a yellow card. Um, not sure how that ended up a yellow for Bissouma on the replays. It was clearly all Mason Mount being very upset. Um, the old dude brothers in the chat also saying the Chelsea punditry bias was crazy. Um, over here on NBC, didn't seem too bad barring the Rudica tackle. Um, the, the co-commentator, I'm not sure who it was. Yeah, he watches a lot of... He, he's fairly regular in, in, with the Brighton games over here. He's like got a very drab way of describing things. He's not particularly effervescent, is he? But no, he, he, no he's he, he relatively does know what he's talking about. Yeah, we've got... Because I know Jim Proudfoot is the main one. Um, and he's been covering the Albion for like 20, 25 years on TalkSport and Five Live and anywhere that will have him. He's a pretty well-known voice. Whoever the co-commentator is... Uh, was fully on Rudiger's side for that tackle. Well, he was. Um, yeah, that was the only thing. And Wait, I suspect that... Gus Poyet was on the Prime broadcaster. Yes, interesting. Yes, uh, Gus Poyet was on the Prime broadcast. Um, I'm going to send you a picture in a second as well to show him and Potter chatting, uh, which was absolutely insane. Um, it was like one of those uh, Avenger crossovers movies with the uh, <laughs> with some Albion heroes. Um, Alex note in the chat saying he's a very optimistic person, even when on our 11 game losing streak, but damn, are we terrible at defending set pieces? Um, I also wonder if part of that Robert Sanchez flaps today oh. are partly because I, I'm, I'm starting to wonder if it's because he doesn't trust the defense in front of him at times. Um, I think some of it in terms of the distribution and the coming off his line to grab balls, you know, with like his feet, it's just him being him at set pieces, the flapping stuff. I would have to go back and have a look at it in terms of older games where he's playing with Dunk and Duffy and stuff. But I do wonder if some of it is just him looking at that Veltman and Byrne partnership in the middle and thinking, nah, I'm going to try and get rid of this myself. Maybe I think it's it's a little bit of a reach, but just I think this with how often do we talk about the the Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde aspect of, of Robert Sanchez? Um, yeah, sixteen minutes in, he had that flap and and uh, the ball bounced around a little bit and nothing. It did it come off the post or just just went wide? It came um, off. He saved it and it went off the post. Yeah, could have easily just seen that been. I mean, I probably should have been a goal for all intents and purposes. We're very, very, very lucky. And then we we start having that awkward conversation again about Sanchez. Um, not good. I, but again, you saw some of his shot-stopping shot capabilities. He's a big man. When he does come out and claim confidently, it goes really well. His distribution can be good. Uh, he opens up some of our best attacking chances. And then the other half of the time, he shanks the ball out wide or, or gives it to the other team. This is just kind of who he is. You sort of you, you live with him and die with him. Yeah, yeah. Um, young, he's young. Enoch on the door in the chat asking, was Knockart there? He heard the chant. Yes, he was. I was reliably informed he was in the home end right next to the away end. Um, I suspect he probably didn't get an away ticket. Uh, so he went as close to that home, their way end as possible. Uh, so, yeah, he was there, uh, which is probably why uh, you heard that champ for sure. Um, as we've said, Marcus Alonso on, Reese James off immediately after the corner. Um, and the game changed entirely from there on out. Uh, we, yeah. you know, it was pretty even in terms of possession and all that good stuff. They had a lot more uh, set pieces and shots than we did in that first half. Um, or in just the game in general for that first 25, 30 minutes. Uh, once Reese James goes off, uh, the final stat line looks like this. Uh, Chelsea had five shots after that. Uh, we had 16. Uh, we had six of those were on target. Four of those were blocked. Um, we had 52% possession, dominated the ball. Uh, compared, they had much more of the ball in that first 20, 25 minutes. Uh, our pass, pass success rate was better. We had far more successful dribbles than them, out-cornered them, out-dispossessed them, everything. We 
totally turned the tables on him. Uh, and as you said, if you if you ask somebody who has no idea anything about football, uh, which team were were the European champions, there's only one answer. Uh, if they're tuning in at 33 minutes onwards, and and that's that's us, uh, which is mental, really. Uh, and I, this drives this home because the stats that you just reeled off away at Stamford Bridge against a team that, again, have been through a little bit of a patch, but they, they came back into it after their game a couple of days ago. Uh, yes, they've got injuries, but everyone's saying, you know, Tuchel's this genius, he's Chelsea are this incredibly efficient side, uh, the, the title challengers. These things are all somewhat true. What a before, like, just, you, we, you shouldn't do that. How many, how many attempts on goal did you say that we had? Uh, we had 16 attempts on goal. Uh, 16 attempts that. on goal at yep. Stamford Bridge. Oh, well, we had 18 if you include the first half an hour. But yeah. Like, that's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. Unless and Chelsea fans are going to come out and they're going to say, oh, God, no, we had all these injuries. Okay, well, what we had, we had the same thing. Trossard's one of our best players. Dunks the whole, the soul of this team. Uh, we do, our, our first choice central defensive pairing slash trio were all out. I, yeah, everyone's got injuries. This is the this is the league at the moment. This is the game. Uh, if you want to hammer that home even more with those numbers, Chelsea did not have a shot, not on target, just a shot at Robert Sanchez's goal until the seventy fourth minute after they scored. So and that's uh, until the seventy fourth minute, and they scored in the it was about the third round thirty something like that 27, 27 it was minutes? the twenty eighth minute, yeah. Impeccable. I, th- we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be doing that. Like this is an incredible performance by a number of the players. And when we talk about man of the match, there's tons of candidates. Um, but Chelsea looked poor, and there are two of their players, and Lukaku being one of them, and you can pick any number of the others that are valued the same as our entire game day squad. Uh, this is, we're, we're barely playing the same game here, and yep. we put in that performance. Just to make that clear, I know this is obvious, but it's this was impressive. Yeah, and uh, Enoch on the door in the chat nails it, really. Uh, they're sat there complaining about the, the, the problems they're having. They had a £70 million goalkeeper on their bench today. Well, not in today's market, but yes. <laughs> but my, my point is being yeah. that they spent £70 million on him. They had yeah. Havertz on the bench. They had Saar on the bench. They had they had Kante on the bench, Zayek on the bench. You know what I mean? Like I'm not at, like it's it's a flimsy argument when you can field a team and pretend you're struggling and have tech players and have the bench is worth more than our match day squad. Yeah, it's unfortunate they didn't start a couple of their World Cup winners. Yeah, yeah. Come on, get off it. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the Rudiger challenge next because that was just before half time, um, and arguably should have turned the game on its head because uh, we should have been going into the second half ten v eleven. Um, tackle comes in. Uh, I, I I don't know what he was thinking. It was funny because not too long before the goal, um, I was saying how majestic it would be to watch a back three of Lewis Dunk in the middle dictating the ball. Webster on the right and Rudiger on the left just both marauding forward because he is so good on the ball for a centre-half. Uh, the ability to go forward on the ball like Webster and like Rudiger was doing in that first 25 minutes was taken away from him thanks to the Reese James substitution and, as mm-hmm. you said, him having to track out wide. Tracking out wide, clearly not the greatest strength of his. Uh, I have not seen a tackle so easily waved away by VAR that was so obviously awful uh, ever, probably ever across. And I watch a lot of football like you, like the privilege of working from home adds to that because I'm now able to watch all of the midweek games. Uh Um, The missus spends most of her weekend at the barn anyway. So I'm still watching more and more outrageously bad challenge. Awful. Uh, We didn't even see a VAR replay, you know, like where they're saying that they're looking at it over here on NBC. Um, couple of people said back home that they said VAR was checking it and found no problem, but appalling. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, he jumped off the ground and led with two feet. I don't know what the description of a red card is anymore, but uh, since I've been watching football, that's always been a red card and it never hasn't been a red card. Uh, so <laughs> it's what a shock. You know, the top tier team gets a decision that goes their way. I mean, tell us something new. We've seen this a lot of times before. I think the, the thing, the positive I'll take out of it is that Lamptey got two players booked in this game, and arguably, you know, that one should have been a red. There's uh, an asset right there for you. They all were, especially when you get deeper into that second half, what I was hoping for was us to draw a few more fouls out because a number of their players were on yellow cards. They didn't have any subs to play with because they'd used two for injuries. It would have been such a big thing if we could have got one of them a double yellow or something like that. But um, again, should have been a yeah. red. Yeah, I mean, they ended the game with with four yellow cards. Um, they were they were asking for it all the way through. Um, halftime comes around. Uh, we come out into the second half. Uh, commentators over here were saying that Chelsea much needed that second that half time, and they did because they were really under the cosh. Didn't really change though. Um, right. We we continued to just absolutely hammer them. Um, couple of yellow cards given out to Kovacic and Hudson Odoi, um, and we just kept. Uh, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, uh, with nothing coming of it until the substitutions came in. Uh, Tarek Lamptey off. Yeah, go on. Before you get onto those, because a a number of our chances that we had, both at the end of the first half and then the ones at the start, we had that that Lalana shot in the first half. Um, After there was, you know, a bit of a slight potential penalty shout, um, that that came to nothing, but Lalana had a shot, didn't go necessarily go anywhere. We had uh, Basuma take that really interesting shot from distance that had a ton of fizz on it. Which well, as soon as he shaped up for that, I was like, "Oh god, it's going in the stand." Me too. I was like, "Don't hit that! Don't hit that!" And then I went, "Oh!" <laughs> and then we had that other one that was right after halftime that was the most like compelling opportunity we had up until that point was when March absolutely did Pulisic and Lalana played a ball in and looped into Moda and he just knocked it over. But again, we've talked here, Lalana, Basuma, Moda. We discussed this last time. Naila wrote the article last week. McAllister had a shot from outside the box. We just got to be better with some of these. Just needs one, one of these to just be a little bit more clinical of finisher. And it it changes the course of the game. I am... I'm going to make a really bold prediction and Adam Lalana will not be the one that makes that step forward. <laughs> yeah, you think? Yeah. Uh, Unless he's got I, a DeLorean in his garage. I don't think so. I am no. just blown away by that man's technical ability and ability to play a ball and the ability to dictate the play in the middle with Basuma and have such a shocking ability to hit the target. I yeah. just, it just doesn't translate. I don't understand uh how it works how how he can be so good at everything except for that yeah yeah it's uh and he used to back in way back in the day we talked about this but he's, he used to score goals he did use he just lost that ability seemingly but maybe you have to hope it's one of these ones where he just needs to get one and then he realizes okay i sort of know how to do this again but um it's not doesn't look hopeful does it no it doesn't um not not really uh after that, though, as you said, I mean, we had a lot of good chances in that first 20 minutes. Um, and uh, we then went with the substitutions, Tarek Lamptey coming off and Enoch Mwepu coming on. Um, I know some people were upset by Lamptey coming off. My thought is that we're still being careful with him. And we also have a game in two days. And I'm sure that we're going to want to play him uh, because Everton was the first time that we were really dismantled this season. And it was the, at the hands of that right-hand side and Damari Gray. Uh, I suspect yeah. that keeping him fit uh, not only helps us in general, because he's an excellent player and a game changer on any day. Uh, it just takes one burst of pace and it's a penalty or an assist um, ever. So I think it was definitely precautionary um, and Moda coming out onto that right-hand side, though, as you said, really took away any kind of major danger down that that right-hand side. Um, and it was then compounded by less than like 60 seconds later, hudson Adoy, who I thought was shite today, coming off, uh, N'Golo Kante, one of the best midfielders in world football coming on. Um, and I think from then on, as you said, I think that once it, once that's, those set of substitutions happened, 
uh, it was, you know, it was significantly more dangerous. Um, and and the stats show it. They they dominated possession for twenty minutes, almost sixty two percent possession. They're a completely different side with with Kante and without it. Kante, they're very reliant on a single player, considering how stacked their team is. Yep, and, and I mean, I, to be a bit fairer to Chelsea, I think any team would be reliant on Kante once they once they get him a fair number of games under his belt. But yeah, the difference was night and day today. It was outrageous how much more important he is than anyone else um because he turned that game around big time for them uh and they were you know for for that 20 minute stretch up until kind of the 80th minute or so they just were all over 60 percent possession that's when they got their shots in uh their their ability to recycle the ball went up by miles their their pass success rate flew back up um, and it was only really once their backs got to the wall, that kind of psychological last 10 minute stuff that we were able to fight our way back into the game. Um, it definitely helped that we brought on uh, Danny Welbeck in that time, 79 minutes in. Yep. The I will say, though, Mwepu went from the sort of sublime to the ridiculous because he did not look comfortable coming in today. He doesn't he never looks comfortable for me when he comes on deep into a game. And especially when it's a game that's set up like this one, which the game against Brentford, we were able to play a lot more direct football just because we were at home. It was Brentford, the way they set up here, we were, it was a lot more intricate play. Chelsea made a lot of mistakes, but there was a lot more one touch passing, a lot more triangles, all the simple stuff where players like Basuma looking incredible and Kugurea and players like Mwepu, that's really not quite his game. And it, it, it felt a little awkward. And that com- coupled with, with Kante being sort of across from him meant that suddenly a lot of our breakups weren't there and a lot of the constructive play that we had prior to that went away too. So not only did it feel like we lost Lamptey, but we lost some of the presence and the capability in midfield with Mwepu coming in there. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think that... It was definitely a loss. Uh, they definitely pushed him further forward too, I think, in the hopes that he was going to play kind of, not the Trossard role, but something around that area more than anything else. Um, yeah. And like you said, he he never looks 100% comfortable. Um, I thought he looked a little bit more comfortable when Danny Welbeck came on. It seemed a little bit more straightforward for him as to the spaces to occupy because he was a little bit deeper. It's a um, hard game to come into as well. Let's be honest. Like suddenly like, the, Bridge. <laughs> the momentum shifts and you're being asked to sort of suddenly <laughs> defend against like this onslaught that, that, that comes, uh, comes upon you as well. So we'll give him a little bit of credit there too. And and let's talk about that guy. Uh, Cause he was the man that changed the game entirely uh, in the end there. Uh, Danny Welbeck, um, a player that I went on record saying in the summer that should not be relied upon as our secondary option striker, because he's not fit enough to be able to be that guy that can play 25 games and chip in with eight to 10 goals. What he can do is make an impact like today. Holy shit. Big impact again. He changed the game. He put them back on the back foot. And for the first time in a while, we had an aerial presence against a team that were all over the place. And what a difference that made. How long was he on the pitch for last week? He came on for what? It wasn't even last week. What, what day is it? I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, it's a couple but of days ago. Whenever, so he came on, I want to say, I'm looking it up here. Uh, 46. Okay, okay, because Trossard injury, he came on at this, for the second half. Point being, is in the space of less than 60 minutes. Welbeck has done more for this team than Aaron Connolly did in the entirety of this season. And we'll talk about Aaron Connolly towards the end of this, I'm sure. Um, he is cl- he looked classy when he came on against Brentford, some of the one-touch passing we saw on the left-hand side, and then he pops up and does that. He's You can't rely upon him. You're right. You cannot rely upon him. But when he plays, when he's not injured... He's a good player. He's a in this team. He is exactly what we need, and we missed him when he was out. We really did. We talked about it a lot. Let's get Welbeck back. Let's see what we look like. Well, this is what we look like. Yep. And going off of that to go directly to him um, because there was a lot of stuff said. He had seven touches today. Uh, Enoch on the door in the chat just put in there. He had seven touches today. One touch in the box and scores in eleven minutes of football. 
bearing in mind that Aaron Connolly only had 13 touches in 60 minutes against Wolves, they're supposed to play similar roles where they break the lines and cause problems for, for teams. Um, the class golf is is dramatic, even for a player as spotty fitness-wise as Danny Welbeck is. His talent is undeniable. Um, and I think I said it in the summer too, if Danny Welbeck was 100% fit 100% of the time, he wouldn't be playing for us anyway. So, uh, Correct. <laughs> um the goal itself uh, was wonderful. Uh, Mark Kukurea earned that assist a hundred times over. He was very good today as well, playing in a role he doesn't want to play in against elite opposition. And he still, his motor is unparalleled. If you want to compare it to, to motor like in, in, in Kante, like he just bombs up and down. He doesn't need it doesn't look like he sweats. Like, I don't know how he does it. It's incredible. It's that hair soaks it all up, I guess. Yeah, it maybe does. David in the chat shows that we need a six foot striker who can come on. Um, David, yeah. I think this is something we've been saying since the summer. This is something I've been saying for like two years. Like, since we lost Murray, we need an alternative option. Nobody wants to replace Neil Mope. We need someone who can play alongside him yep. or as an alternative option to him. That's all we want. And again, Danny Welbeck is not the most dangerous aerial threat, but he provides one simply due to his height alone. And oh my goodness, like what a difference it made. They weren't prepared for that at all. And that cross into the box was just glorious. Like you what? said, Kukurea was asked to play a much more defensive, almost center, like that third center half role at times, uh, especially for that first half. He was uh, He was definitely able to kind of adventure a little bit further forward in that second half and he i mean he clearly enjoyed it because he was superb when's the last time you remember we had an attacking header on goal like that actually like i know this was a goal here but i mean where it brought a a real save out because all i remember seeing this season so far is corners that hit the first man yeah um free kicks don't really go anywhere like this was this was weird to see. It was weird to witness a ball go in and a player's head on our team to go up and hit the ball at the goal. I, I don't, we don't, we haven't seen that this season. I, I mean, I, I would honestly say like the, the last time I, I can honestly remember that happening was Shane Duffy against Watford. That feels like a long time ago. Yeah. The last time I felt we had an aerial presence up front was several times late in the game where we won a corner, it got brought back and Duncan Duffy didn't go back and they stayed up and you're like, Oh, okay. We might have a chance of winning a ball here. Mm -hmm. Um, Up front though, there is none of it. There is nothing that provides that option right now. None. Well, if if Welbeck were to get injured, uh, if Connolly is at Middlesbrough now and, and has gone on loan or that's going through, Right at the end, we'll t- let's talk a little bit about transfers. But yeah, there has to be someone coming in because you can't ride with this group. Because if something happens, <laughs> what are you? Who are you even playing? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, Full time comes around. Uh, limbs, scenes, everyone very, very happy indeed, except for the Chelsea fans, I suppose, and the players. Uh, we dominated them XG wise as well. We won the XG battle again at one point zero four to zero point seven two. It looked like it too. Looked yeah, like it. it it really did. Um, as you said, we could talk about players a lot, and we have actually. We've spent an awful long time just talking about the players already in this first 35 minutes. Um, just real quickly, and I feel like I say this all the time, um, is there a better £900,000 transfer in the history of the Premier League than Joel Veltman? <sighs> he's very... He's, yeah. He's exactly what we need. And I know that there was a little bit of a, what is this, some kind of like commitment that you agreed to join Brighton and he made the decision for his family. So I think there was just, a, there was a situation that arose where it wasn't this kind of hard fought club agent battle where they had to really fight for him. It was sort of like pre-agreed. I don't know the, the, all the details behind that, but I think he did the club a bit of a favor there. But yeah, I mean, he's, He's incredible. You don't get that kind of player for that money in this league. You really don't. Because I could think of 
10 plus other sides in this league that take him for at worst a, a, a player that that's his cover and in many cases a starting right back or, or, or right side of center back yeah yeah we've got a city um, city fans in here thanking us yeah they Amazing. they just won the they just beat brentford um did they, they did. just win did they just win the title well thank you for beating brentford for that's that, that's between us and city in the last few days have not been particularly kind to brentford would would you go would you go as far as to say that they've just won the title with that win? No. No? Eight points clear? Uh, well, I think they win the title anyway, but I, I, I don't <laughs> like making predictions when based on games in hand that because of COVID, we're not even halfway through the season. I mean, but probably. Fair. Fair. Uh, man of the match then, because this is, <laughs> I do want to definitely touch on uh, Aaron Connolly and the rest of it. Um, man of the match. Who you, you go got? first, because okay. if not, I'll steal your thunder. I will say he's not my man of the match. Uh, he's probably not even close, really. Uh, and that's not to say he performed badly. It's just that the entire team, I thought, was sublime. Alexis McAllister. Yeah. If you're yeah, going to go good. with it, give the boy a run of games, because he looked better He looked better today than he did two days ago. And I, I think he would probably look better in four more days than he did today. Wish I he'd think... have taken that chance from that mode of through ball. Yeah, yeah. But his set pieces look decent. Uh, not sure why we keep giving Solly March a chance to whip a ball in when Alexis has stood with him. Drives me insane. Uh, but I do want to point out that I thought I thought he was good today. Again, yeah. um, outside of that first 15 minutes, two, three days ago, whenever it was, like you said, the, the days are a blur. Um, I thought he's been really good, really good since. Um, but I'm going to give it to Bissouma because uh, I thought that he really just made the entire midfield powerless Jorginho uh Kovacic they they were almost it was almost just like he handled them both on his own which allowed everyone else around him to do whatever they wanted um and that was really I think how we went and gave them so many problems uh his shot for the first time in a long time was an excellent one uh and was on target which is all you could ask for really um he had seven tackles uh the the second most was kukurea burn and moda all at three so he had double the amount of successful tackles plenty of interceptions plenty of clearances uh second only to veltman and burn respectively i think he was incredibly harsh getting that yellow card i don't think he should have been booked at all um yeah what a return uh, he was <laughs> The, the the amount of times where it seemed like he got the ball, did a little shimmy and just removed two Chelsea players from the equation uh, and suddenly started a break where the ball could get spread out to one of our players. He was an absolute metronome. He ran that show today. And, and as someone said earlier in the chat, put himself in the shop window and, and yeah, it's, it's worrying because if it wasn't for the contract, I'm all for that. Keep putting yourself in the shop window because it just means more zeros get added to it. But instead, I think you just get more suitors now coming for the end of his contract. And that's concerning. Um, yes, we saw the other day against Brentford. We are an able side that um, that can get points against teams in this league without Yves Basuma. We don't get a point today without Yves Basuma against Chelsea. That's the difference. He elevates this team to a team that is capable of achieving 15th place in the league, 14th place, to a team that could truly get on to top 12, top 10 in this league. He's the difference maker, um, in addition to the names that, that we talked about before, like Kukureya and so. Um, he's my man of match as well, but I'm going to give it to the, the, the three at the back. I thought they were actually outstanding. Um, <laughs> on paper... Kukureya, Burn, and Veltman as your centre-back grouping against Romelo Lukaku. I don't like those odds. Um, I don't love the look of that. Lukaku's game is about sort of receiving the ball and, and bodying and turning and using his pace to then get away from people. I don't really... It didn't see him do that once. Um, he was, for the most part, apart from that dominating header when he was being marked by Neil Mope, he got off a little bit of interchange off of, of, of Mason Mount and Callum Hudson-Odoi, but he was really well dealt with. Kukurella was fantastic. For everyone saying Dan Byrne was man of the match last week and getting the FIFA Ultimate Team card, I thought he was better today. 
Yeah, um, I do too. <laughs> so, like, and I thought Volkner was strong as well. Uh, so just, yeah, for, given that those three names, none of whom start in a fully fit team in our centre-back grouping, I thought they're great. Yeah, I mean, how can I disagree with that? I've, I felt as concerned as anybody, I think, when I saw that. Um, it was whew, scary. Um, I will say, just because I've just saw Squawker Football has just posted a tweet. Uh, Mark Kukurea's game by numbers against Chelsea. <clears throat> he had 111. This is out of all 24 players on the pitch, or 26, or however many were subbed on as well. Uh, he had 111 touches, which was the most out of any side. He had 77 passes, which was the most. 61 accurate passes, most. 23 passes in the final third, most. Seven final third entries, three take on attempts attempted. Two take-ons completed, one assist, one big chance created. That's left-sided centre-half. I mean, we, we waxed lyrical about him last week in most of the games he's played. I think last week alone we had a conversation about how on earth did we... Not last week. Again, what day is it? Two days ago we had a conversation, if you haven't listened, to after the Brentford game, about how on earth did we get him with from buyout clause, as in... Any other club with a handful of pennies could have come in and purchased Mark Kukurea. Um, and we got him. I just the I, I, I still I just don't I still don't understand how it's worked worked out for us. I don't get it. I don't I don't understand how a European side didn't come in and, and just buy him. We had it we had 18 million pounds, wasn't it? I think was on the uh was on what the is a, what does box. that get you nowadays? Um or 20 Joel Veltman. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. Um, so, taking bearing in mind, we paid about eighteen million pound for him, and he only signed this year. Uh, but given the impact he's had this year already, uh, if there are suitors knocking on the door next summer, how much do you reckon we're going to be asking for him? Next, isn't he on a? He's on a four year. I'm guessing. Right? Think I think he is. I think on... he is on a four year deal. I would have to look myself, but I think that we'd sign him to a four year deal. Yeah. Because I think I'd read, so I think I like remember seeing it was like twenty contract until twenty twenty six. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So, so he's got four and a half left. So uh, it was a five year deal when we. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he's twenty three years old, isn't he? And and Lewis and Rico are <coughs> looking at him and drooling because you know what he's like with bringing in young, young talent into that team, and the fact that he's he wants most of the Barcelona squad and the Spain team, and this is a La Masia product. Um, uh, yeah, I could. I could. S- Life after Jordi Alba isn't looking too hot at Barcelona either. You could see them coming along in a couple of years. Like it. Yeah, I think they also a lot of money. I, I think firstly, the first response is they tell them to do one at the moment because they just don't think they sell him. Um, yeah, I think so too. No pressure. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with you on that. Um, I suspect that. There may come a time in the next calendar year when we can't say no. Um, there's a Winter World Cup coming up, and I will be very shocked if he's not called up. Just, just he's, already, he's already got a cap. Well, well, exactly, and he played at the Olympics. Um, the only reason he, you know, it, the Albion are on Spain's radar because Big Bob's already been pulled up. It's not like... Yeah. You know, it's not like we're one of those teams that may just fall under the radar like some of them do. Um, I, yeah, I think he, if he continues on this form until all the way through the season, I think it's an absolute no. He's definitely part of that World Cup squad. Even if he doesn't get a game, he's definitely going to be a part of it. Same as Sanchez. I think he's just too good. He'll be 24 at that point as well. Hard, hard to argue with it, and he should be. Uh, and this, again, is another nice problem for us to have is that yeah. Brighton fans, you're going to start seeing more and more of your players going off for international games. That's a consideration that we're going to have to have. We're going to see it with Basuma, as we talked about last time around, getting, getting the call up for the first time in three years for Mali, for the AFCON. Um, it, yeah, this is going to happen. I still don't think it goes. Well, as if the competition even finishes. Uh, I just don't think, uh, unless something changes with this bail stuff, there's no way he's going, so... Yeah, I don't think it will happen. Um, talk about people going. Uh, just before we wrap it, there is one man uh, seemingly on his way out. Uh, it's it is a tragedy 
in the social media world that Aaron Connolly was not alive and kicking in his teens when MySpace was around. Because <laughs> could you imagine the like the comments on his MSN comment thing would be and like the the music he would have behind his MySpace thing whenever he made these like dramatic decisions that he's making. Yeah. Unfortunately all he has is the ability to change his Instagram followers. But 10, 15 years ago, he would have been way at home, taking people out of his top friends, all sorts of stuff. It could have been it's born at the born at the wrong time for Aaron Connolly. Um seems to be going to Borough. Yeah, I everyone keeps talking about what's the what's the nightclub that he used to frequent on the seafront? Because back in my day it was Oceana, I think. Maybe oh, it's, yeah. it's people it keep called? talking about it. But yeah, David's mentioned in the chat. Uh they're, they're going to lose probably one of their best customers. Um, I mean, he's just a dick. He's an arsehole. I'm glad he's gone. You don't get to be an arsehole um, unless you're very good. Uh, and then you can get away with it. The sort of Ronaldo-esque aspect here through his hissy fit uh, during Man U's last game, but he gets away with it, right? You can't be shit and an arsehole because then you get thrown to Middlesbrough and you play in the championship. Yep. Yeah. You've got to be one or the other. You've got to be one or the other, haven't you? Like, if you're going to be an arsehole, like, you've got to be good. Good enough to stick around, regardless of your attitude. Um, yeah. And there are plenty of them around there. There's plenty of them in the Premier League now that are apparently dickheads to be in the back, in the locker room with. But when they go on the pitch, they score goals or they pull off outrageous saves. Uh, yeah, Aaron Conley is not one of those people. Um, unfortunately for him and for us, I, I think it's an inevitability that we'll be looking at him turning out for Oxford United and League Two in two or three years' time. Uh, I think his attitude is not going to get any better. Uh, yeah, I, at this point onwards, I don't care about him. Like, as in, he's however the move shapes up, he doesn't is essentially a, a non-entity and not in the same way as Ben White. With Ben White, you look at him and you go, thank you, amazing, good character, got a lot of money for you, good luck to you. Connolly, it's like, I hope I never hear about you again. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much it. And now, But now there there does truly need to be a body coming in because it looks like Lacardia has fallen out of the f- mild favor that he was even in for a period of time that wasn't really just it was just desperation uh so assuming he's going to be off in in january too and when we say january if you <coughs> lost track of time to the same extent that josh and i apparently have that's in three days so the january transfer window is now um got that someone's got to be coming in and it has to have been potentially talked about and figured out maybe up until this point gotta be um merit in the chat in a footballing sense it is a shame and and i think we both agree with that because he he did rip apart the premier league two uh in that under 23 squad and as soon as he got that the problem is i think um because i think you're spot on i think the worst thing that happened to him was he got the call up from the premier league two and very quickly after that scored those two against Spurs. He didn't yeah. have like a six month period, like to go to the NFL, like where those quarterbacks have a period of time where they sit behind someone else and they watch. He had none of that. He had none of the time to develop and get any humility of being in that first team squad. He bagged two against Spurs in a great performance. And I agree with Merritt and Alex in the chat. The Spurs game, despite it being immediately after like his first appearance ever, just totally ruined everything from there on out. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't say that he wasn't given enough of a chance either. Right. Uh, he had, he had uh, time in the first team. He had time as sub appearances. Like he was given every possible um, chance to, to, to do something here. And um, yeah, he, he didn't. So I, I'm, I'm more now thinking about, okay, what's, what's like, I don't even think you can even coin it as life after Aaron Coronley because he, he was such a non-entity for this club for the, the for, the last year and a half, two years. Um, yeah. It's more about, okay, well, let's, let's think about who, who plays alongside Mopay and who, who backs up Danny Welbeck um, over the course of the next few months. That's, that's what interests me. Yeah. Um, and I think 
the obvious one is Andy Zakiri, right, to come back. But Andy Zakiri is getting a lot of minutes at Augsburg. Yeah, he's not scoring like, either. He's not, but he is getting a lot of appearances. And that makes me reluctant to to want him back in a way. Um, if he's just going to sit back on our bench and not do a great deal. i tell you who we do need back, though, and you said this on Twitter the other day. Get Casado out of beer shots. Absolute dumpster fire of a season. Um, yeah, for those for those that maybe didn't see it on Twitter, because I posted it very late in the night over in the US, so like we're talking at 4 o'clock in the morning in the UK as well, uh, there was a French uh, tweet come out from one of the Belgian reporters um, about beer shot. Uh, who are currently languishing massively bottom of the league in the Belgian Pro League. Um, Caicedo played 68, 60 summit minutes in the game last week. Uh, they got beat 7 nothing, um, And the players basically mutinied on the pitch. Um, they decided to put their central attacking midfielder at centre-half uh, at going once they'd gone 2-0 down and then got himself sent off with a straight red card. Uh, and then they went on to lose 7-0. Um, Caicedo played a lot of minutes there. I understand that, like, I guess it's like a pretty English-speaking team or something like that, and that was one of the laws of sending him over there so he could learn. I don't care where you send him. Get him out a bit shot because it is a hugely toxic environment. So they are 20 games into their season beer shot and they have nine points. They are 10 points from the, the second from bottom side. Uh, and they are 38 points below Tony Bloom's Belgian team, <laughs> Union Saint-Jouar. So it's a little bit of a difference. So when you, when you look at like where Matoma's ended up to play some of his football, and then where poor Moises Casado is currently playing his football. Uh, yeah, I don't think he gains much from that other than perspective on life. Uh, <laughs> not yeah. in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, that's about it. And game time. Uh, yeah. But is it really good game time when you're just being hammered and just everybody on the pitch is just toxic as hell? Like, No, just send him on loan no. to Dagenham and Redbridge or something. Get hoofed. Yeah. For- <laughs> Uh, Ostergaard is coming back. That was confirmed by Naylor earlier on. I no, think, but he's going well. back out. He is going back, yeah. Um, yeah so said, he's, yeah. he's not able to get many games uh, at Stoke. Not sure why that was. Um, I know a couple of months ago he got he started the season very well, got hurt, and I don't think he's ever been able to find his way back in. Um, not sure whether that's a manager thing. Not sure whether that's Stoke doing, like, there, there's no reason to change it or whether he's just lost it a little bit. But he will be coming back and promptly going back out on loan um, per Alex in the chat and Andy Naylor as well. Yeah, um, so he, yeah. will be, he will be back off on loan, and that's fine. That's good. Um, Florin Andone will be coming back and then going very quickly uh, to the probably the doll queue. Um, don't know what he's going to be doing. Um, who knows? Uh, but, yeah, that's... Yeah. That's all I've got because um, we're going to be back in like three more days anyway. Um, Everton next. Uh, they are coming at us. Well, we are going to them, I think, right? We're at Goodison for this. Um, yeah, because we played them at the Amex early in the season. <coughs> oh, of course we did and got battered by them. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't uh, nice. One of our four defeats of the season so far, 18 games played, four games lost, and one of them was Everton at home. Well, they fell off a cliff a few games after we played them. Like horribly bounced back a fair bit until recently they haven't played a game since they this will be 17 days of rest they'll have had Rafa Benitez is favorite to leave as next manager to get booted in the Premier League uh even despite trigger happy Watford and Claudio being battered again this weekend just a quick point because I know he's your favorite but Emmanuel Dennis that if you talk again. about signing in a season and getting a striker for for not opening up, you know, your checkbook for a fifty million. Gah, he's he's been very very good for them. He has very good. He really has. Um, yeah, Everton next. I I don't know how this one's going to go. Um, <sighs> yeah, I I don't love it. 
um, but just purely from PTSD from the game earlier in the season, because that was, as you mentioned, like we had a, that that couple of nice games and we had a couple of nice games after it too. We had this sandwich of wins and then just this sort of really dumbfounding loss against Everton. But it wasn't just like a, it wasn't just a close, we were, we were, quite dominated by them in that their 2-0 victory there. So it'd be interesting to see how Potter maybe tweaks some of the side. I know Everton aren't the same side. They're not going to be putting out the same side because isn't Luca Deans, is he still injured? Um is it Demario Gray out now as well? Yeah, I think Gray's out, which is um, good for us. Dominic Calvert Lewin has been out for a long period of time. So there's they're suffering from the injury bug as well. Uh, how so- many how many training sessions have they been allowed as well? Uh, because Watford apparently only had two training sessions in their 14 days off because of COVID. Really? So if they haven't had a huge amount of training sessions allowed because of that, or they've been disjointed or haphazard or, you know, six or seven players in a session and stuff like that, how much is that going to hurt with a team that's already disjointed and Rafa is already massively under pressure? Despite the fact that we've had a huge differential in breaks, they've had all this time off and we've just been battered with three games in a week. I think this is as good a time as any to play them. Yeah, because it, as you say, they possibly get on one side, you say, well, are they, are they having all this rest? But on the other side, is there a level of complacency in there? Um, because yeah, as you say, last time out for them was, in a one-all draw against Chelsea. So we're both going to be, weirdly, both coming off of one-all draws at <laughs> Stamford Bridge, yeah, uh, which is a, sl- <laughs> a slightly bizarre one. Twilight Zoney. Uh, uh, yeah, but I mean, the, the team that they put out against Chelsea was embarrassing. So um, again, they'll have got a few players back, but I think I watched this game as well and it was, it was ugly. They had Sims up front, they were playing Gordon and Iwobi, um, Kenny at right back, John Joe Kenny. Like it was, it was bad. So if we can play that team, I think we win. But I don't know if we're going to get that quite as lucky. Yeah, I agree. I do think it's going to be still a rather battered team. Um, and if some of them have, without realizing it, COVID lingering issues in terms of fitness. I just think that we're in a really good spot. I think it's a good time to play them. Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully we're coming off a bit of a high, right? We've come off a win. We've come off what feels like a win against <clears> Chelsea. <throat> uh, so we go into that game with with a level of confidence. Um, you hope you hope that Trossard can at least make the bench as well. Um, and if we, because we took Lamptey off early, you hope he can get a full 90 in against Everton. Because if we can come off of this game getting anything out of it. And I'd say if we get a point out of this Everton game, I'm fine with that because that pushes you right out until the 14th because we've got the FA Cup week against West Brom to that game against Palace, as you say, makes you feel pretty good about yourself. We stop the slide. We get a win, couple additional points against relatively decent teams. Okay, let's let's now look down the barrel of this second half of the season properly. With some yeah, new faces, and, maybe. And that's exactly it. That would be the halfway point in the season, 25 points if we can take a point at Goddardson. That's Yeah. We replicate that again, and that's our best points total ever, I believe, 50. Yeah. I don't I don't love Palace, Leicester, Chelsea again. No, for me either. It's, it's the but start to that. But then we get to play Watford, Burnley, Newcastle. Three or four games ago, though, we felt a lot worse. Um, True. Funny, funny how things can change in a week. Uh, Very true. We will be back uh, in a couple of days' time. Um, We've got, uh, obviously, we've got Everton on January the 2nd. uh, Sunday, yeah. It's my birthday. Um, So we may get a birthday pod, uh, but we will be be back uh, soon um, to to chat about that one and the obviously inevitable transfer window talk because I suspect that conversation will begun will begin very quickly uh, because there are going to be some sides very eager to spend. Some Saudis uh, have monies, but money burning in their pockets badly. I'm making a bold prediction that I think we we potentially know about a signing before, um, definitely before the Palace game, but I, potentially before this Everton game. 
Uh, and it, this was said in the chat too. Knowing the border, Enoch said we probably have already a verbal agreement with someone based on, on Connolly going out. I like to think of the same. Uh, so we'll see. It'll be nice if there's someone that is going to be announced before we face we face Everton. Mr. Mr. Benjamin Brereton Diaz, maybe. Who knows? What would make you think that? Who knows? Uh, we will see. Um, I think Blackburn won today as well. Uh, so, yeah, we will see you all in a couple of days. Um, have a wonderful new year for everybody uh, yeah. that, that's listening. Um, anybody that's not listening, I suppose you can have an okay one as well. Um, I thought you were going to say anyone who's celebrating, like you no. say with the Christmas. I, I presumably, most people are celebrating the new year. But, yeah, I would assume so. We do have a couple of listeners <laughs> in China, though. Well, right? Yeah. Okay. We yeah. genuinely do. So, Happy New the, Year to those celebrating. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then in like a month's time or whatever, Happy New Year to the Chinese listeners as yeah, well. Yeah. So, yeah. Cheers, right, everyone. Well, Thank have you. Have a good one. Awesome in the chat after this game. What a great Yes, it point. has. I won't be airing.